This series of the For All Mankind podcast is brought to you by the Gardner Family Apothecary. Caring for your sensitive skin with their Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel Silcox Base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro. Hello and welcome to From Kind the Podcast. Today's guest is a broadcaster, she's an avid swimmer and mum to Roddy and Pixie. It's Paula McSweeney. Welcome Paula, how are you doing? Good morning Pamela, thanks a million for having me on. I'm very excited to talk to you and I feel like we have so much to get through because we are wrangling four kids between the two of us so that we can record this episode. I know, we are doing very well to be able to do this at the same time on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so starting with Roddy... What was he? But was he born? I suppose like was it, is he two two and a half now? He's just over two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, both our babies, like Alice and Roddy, are quite similar in age, and Peter and Pixie, I think, are quite similar. There's only a couple of months between them. It's um, mad, isn't it? I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and getting pregnant with Roddy and your pregnancy with Roddy. How did you find that? Um, getting pregnant was really easy actually um you know you you never know until you actually decide to have a family how it's going to go like Very i had true. never been pregnant before i had roddy i had never um thought really about having children until i met aiden and when we got married and decided to uh, to have a family um you know you start googling like what should i do and you know you take your folic acid and you start reading accounts of people who have had a really tough time um, and they say the, it takes on average six months so I was thinking okay we'll give it a try and first go <laughs> we were expecting and I was so surprised like I had actually um, so this was January and I had booked um, a holiday for us to go to Tenerife for a week in was it the end of February no it wasn't it was the middle of March so I wouldn't have booked that if I'd known that I definitely would have been expecting because it was the worst week of our lives. I was so sick. I spent the entire week just on the bathroom floor in that grotty hotel in Tenerife. Um, but yeah, we got immediately um, conceived and really just so happy and, and excited. And the pregnancy was really, really straightforward. Um, yeah, it was lovely. It was a really lovely first experience. I have to say it was just fabulous. I'm I'm actually in awe. So the very like your very first month of trying, you can see that's amazing. Do you know what's amazing? And it's funny when you say it out loud because I d- and I don't say it out loud too often because I don't want to make people feel like I'm being smug or or. But all three times we decided to get pregnant, we got pregnant. There was no um you know waiting around. There was no kind of oh not this month. It's extraordinary. As soon as you know, we decided with Roddy we were pregnant. We had a second pregnancy that was very much planned as well. And then with Pixie, same thing happened. Like, it really is extraordinary. I just, I'm so in awe of the human body and um, like mother nature. It's it's, it's amazing. And I'm very lucky. I, I know that. And you had then a cesarean birth with Roddy. Was that always the plan or was oh, that no, just... I- he was breached so that was just uh, it was, yeah and I was fine with that to be honest like I had yeah. done a hip a hypnobirthing class so my plan was all natural la 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 you know kind of had read it out me. 
Absolutely, breathe it out. You know, go with the surges. You know, you know, do your affirmations. And to be quite honest, I don't know what I was thinking because that is just not me. And I think I like the idea of it. And I have loads of friends who did it, and it sounds wonderful, and it really suited them. Um, and whereas I would have preferred a natural birth, what was I think? Of course, I was going to get an epidural. I'd say I wouldn't have got through the hospital threshold without saying someone get me some pain relief because I got a few Braxton Hicks with um, at the end of both my pregnancies, and um, I was nearly looking for an epidural then so I don't know what I was thinking uh, that I might have been able to get away with a natural birth not a chance no way because Alla or Peter actually and I I put it down to the pandemic he was breech I think he was like 35 36 weeks and I was kind of, I was kind of going I really you know I suppose I was very Alice was an, a natural birth I wouldn't I was more concerned about the aftercare if I had to get a section yeah yeah. Um, especially when it's your second because you know that there's lifting and everything involved. Yeah. But he finally turned, but I felt it was probably because I was working from home and everything. So, you know, you're sitting a lot and um but he turned. So it was the breach for you that led into the section. But Paula, that'll tell you it's so out of your control, your pregnancy and your birth, you can only prepare for almost all eventualities really. Absolutely. And like like they say, you know, you can prepare as much as you like but your baby will decide in the end ultimately and that's the way it goes mostly and to be honest if I had known the whole way through my pregnancy I was going to have a cesarean I probably would have been quite upset because you know I had it in my head that I wanted something and when it came down to it it was fine you know all I cared about was having you know a healthy birth and that's what I had and he was brilliant he was absolutely fine I was quite sick after both cesareans I had a repeat section which I elected for um with Pixie and both times like it's so heavily medicated I was quite sick after both of them but as soon as that wore off you know especially with Pixie I found the recovery much easier with Roger I felt like I'd been hit by a train but I put that down to as well I just had a baby I'd never had a baby before I was you know this tiny human you know I'd been sawn in half to get him out I was just in bits and with Pixie I had kind of planned for it and honestly it was a breeze it was really even though I had Roddy here as well I found it so much easier the second time around and do you think it some of that could have been down to the fact that Pixie is a pandemic baby and there was you stayed at home? Do you think you had an easier recovery because Definitely. Or, yeah. Honestly, I and I I you know again you say, you know when you say things like this you have people going well isn't it well for you and they get very annoyed but you know I know the 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 pandemic has turned people's lives upside down and people have had awful times but for us it really and truly, I think we look back as a family and say we've had the most beautiful time. We are so lucky. We've had we've had the privilege of being able to work from home, both myself and Aidan. Uh, we haven't had anybody that we love get seriously sick. Um, nobody we love has died from coronavirus. So we are really, really lucky. And that sort of, you know, family unit, um, that experience that we've had since like Aidan walked out of work on in March of 2020. And he still hasn't gone back into the office. He's been at home the whole time. So I remember when he went back to work after I had Roddy, his paternity leave was three weeks and he went back to work. And I remember just feeling so lost. That first day was so lonely. I just wanted my husband home with me and this tiny new baby. We didn't have that this time. He does work. He goes in and he, he goes into his office and he's in there. But if I really need him, he's there. It is, I can't describe how lucky we are. It has been a joy. It really has. And it makes me kind of look at the world in a different way. I think, are we... We put an awful lot of value on going out to work and, and obviously we need to do that. We all need to make a living and you know pay a mortgage and all that. But 
I think the structure of how we do things is going to be different from now on and it's going to be better for, for most families when possible because I have had the most extraordinarily brilliant year. I've loved it. I really have. We're the same. I mean, like Ben is, is in retail, so he's been... The store he's been opening, closing throughout the past mm-hmm. year, and we do this still the same. Feel so blessed yeah. that he, we've had this extra family time, and we've caught moments that we probably wouldn't have had if we were back working. So, you know, and we've had, you know, the loss of my mother in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, we we've had births and losses, and but overall, you know, it's from a family point of view for us as our own family, it has brought immense joy and, and, and moments that, you know, we probably would, for definite, wouldn't have captured. Um, yeah. And I think you have to kind of, I suppose, take the positive as much out of it as we can, because this is the predicament that we're in. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think, yeah. I, I think we've learned a lot, though, like you said, Paula, like, you know, the, the establishment that we had as families, we worked with them, even though they weren't really working for us. Look, I look back and I just think there's a few things that I think where did we really live like that? For example, my husband and I didn't see each other from Sunday evening to Thursday evening every week because I get up at half three in the morning to go to work and he would get up, he'd get ready, ready for crash and drop into crash. And then he'd go and sit in a train for an hour to then walk across Dublin city centre to sit and work for eight and a half hours to walk back through Dublin city centre to sit in a train for an hour, which was always delayed, by the way. And then by the time he'd get home, because I'm up so early, I'd have put Roddy to bed and I'd have gone to bed. We lived like that. It was so, so hard. I didn't see him five days a week. Uh, he didn't see his, he got his son ready for crash and that, that's, the, that's all he'd see him five days a week we lived like that thinking that this is normal and this is life and it was but that's not going to be the way it is anymore and we're going to make sure of it like you know i think we're again we're in a that situation where we can choose that you know how we kind of work well aiden can um and his office so far have been very um pro working from home and i think a lot of people have proved that they can work from home and going forward i think people will be at home for more like even even if he had to sit in the room for eight hours a day he's not sitting on a train for two and a half hours yes. a day. You know, that's that's time that that's for us it's such a waste of life and another thing i look back on and can't believe that we just accepted was um we go to doctor surgery for 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 something, and you'd go in and you'd sit. I know. In amongst ten sniffly sick people, what were we doing? And the thing is, I always felt like a bit of a freak because when Roddy was a newborn, I remember bringing him for his two week check to a doctor surgery, to our GP who's lovely. But I looked in the window and it was just full of sick people. And I rang the surgeon and I said, "Look, my baby is only two weeks old. I'm going to wait in the car. Can you call me when um when it's time?" And I remember feeling like. I've gone way over the top. I'm a new mom. I'm overwhelmed, and I know everyone's going to be laughing at me. But you know what? I was absolutely right to do that. Looking back, what were you know? It's just insane the way we used to just things we used to just accept as yeah. normal, and it's not normal. And I think you know, obviously, again, pandemic has been awful in a lot of ways, but it has taught us a lot, lot as well. I think. Absolutely, um, Paula. Talking about the Roddy and Pixie and and the benefits of the pandemic you are an avid breastfeeder like you adore it and you've had a fantastic experience with your magic boobies as you you refer to them um do you i mean it's a very it can be very challenging it's also a very emotive um topic for people i am a combination feeder have with peter and alice um Mm. 
it just as much as I wanted to breastfeed with Alice it just supply was not there and it again same with Peter um no matter what I did I could not increase it and that was power pumping it was like the hospital grade pump for months and I just accepted that you know it is what it is um Mm -hmm. and I feel like I have the best of both worlds um is there any tips or anything from your own experience that you could share with a new mum or someone that's you know in the midst of like a night feed now that you are going god this is really hard first of all I'm really envious that you get to compi feed because (laughs) both mine were so hard to like because I I breastfed Roddy for five and a half months and those last couple of weeks were combi feeding I finally got him to take a bottle because he refused he was all about the boob Pixie is seven and a half months old and I cannot get her off my boob and I want to I love it but I've had enough and you know when you say that you know you get people saying oh well done that's loads and then other people going well why would you have enough why wouldn't you keep going and I feel like oh well why won't you mind your own business yeah. because it's a very personal thing and it's what suits you and your family I feel like I've given enough I've had enough and I can't get her off the boob. It is just killing me. But we'll get there. Um, but seeing those early days, oh, it's a superpower. It really is. Um, it is the most amazing experience I have ever had for both of my children. I just adored it. I loved it. It helped me as much as it helped them. It's just wonderful. Um, and I would say to anyone who's struggling, get help from a lactation consultant. Like they are really like they're wonderful. I follow a few brilliant ones online. Um, lactation with Orla is one and um, Nicola uh, oh Nicola Lactation Consultant is that her yeah Nicola I'm trying to think of her Twitter or her uh, Instagram handle yeah and um, nursingmama.ie as well she's brilliant like they're just really really nice women who get it you know and and they're they're completely non-judgmental if you want to combi feed if you want to breastfeed um, if you only want to breastfeed for whatever your target is they will help you with that they're brilliant because everybody has different targets and everyone has different goals and everybody has a different way to do things and it doesn't mean your way is better and if you think like that you're not being helpful to the other moms. I'm sick of tiptoeing around the breastfeeding thing online because as soon as I say how much I loved it as soon as I literally I said it to my husband last year for um i think it was a world breastfeeding week but i put up a post and i said to my husband i'll give it five minutes before someone says well i formula fed and it's just as good and sure enough i had just posted it and i went there it is there it is and someone oh because it's like they can't let you enjoy it and i find that and i know i sound like i'm being quite harsh there but honestly every single time you mention breastfeeding someone will want to put you in your place because maybe they didn't want to breastfeed or maybe it didn't work out both of which it's formula feeding is fine. I've just, you know, I've just said that I want to switch to formula. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's also nothing wrong with celebrating breastfeeding. If that's something that you're really proud of doing, if it's something particularly that you found quite hard, but you managed to get there, you should be allowed to celebrate it because you did brilliantly. It's a brilliant thing to do. And it's, I, I do feel sometimes like I'm tiptoeing because I don't want to offend anyone. And then the other half of me goes, well, feck it. Let them be offended. It's not my fault, <laughs> you know? And that's the thing uh, I found the most surprising about motherhood and that I didn't prepare for was the this or that. It's yeah. it's everyone chooses like a camp and they're almost like militant about it. And it's like yeah. their way or is the only way. And I just don't know why. Like it, how you choose to feed your, ba- feed your baby is has no impact on my life. <laughs> It's, I mean, I'd love to have that confidence, the arrogance to think that how I do things is the best way. Imagine imagine feeling like that. You must have like the most amazing home life if you think that everything that you're doing is right. Because I know I spend my days going, should I be doing this? 
should I do that? And I think that's more normal than, God, I'm amazing. And I'd love, and I, I don't mean that even sarcastically, I'd love to be walking around going, everything I do is wonderful and I'm amazing. Because some days I have that and other days I go, I am failing miserably. <laughs> and I think, um, I think actually the people who think that they're amazing and tell, uh, particularly the ones who, who shout about it all the time, probably are a little bit insecure underneath it all because it is a minefield. Like you don't know, every every issue and every every single decision that you make, for me anyway, is always kind of is that right should I do this should I do that what's best you know it's it's difficult time you know you want to do your best and did you find a pixie do you know when you're saying there you know that that doubting yourself like I certainly found it when with Alice like I was on Google permanently kind of going oh "Oh, should I be doing this like what should what what developmental milestones should I be hitting (laughs) with poor Peter like I don't know if I'd even it's a whole different ball game like obviously you're busier but I just find it far more relaxed totally and like it's funny because I used to look at my mom my mom I'm number seven of eight children my mom had loads of us and she used to excuse me she used to laugh at me you know because I'd be constantly on the phone to her after I had Roddy asking is this normal is that normal and she'd be like Ara he's grand you know she just had no sort of I used to say mom did you ever like cuddle me because and obviously she did because but she'd ring me and go uh, he needs you put him down and I go no I like him sleeping up on my arm she was my only child at that point why wouldn't I I had the time and she'd be like oh well you'll rue the day and I never did you know <laughs> I always say to her I'll never regret any of those cuddles but she parented in a totally different way she was quite practical but I bet you with her first I bet you there's no way she wasn't as nervous as I was because it's your first you don't know what you're doing it definitely gets easier though and being number seven of eight children I have no doubt that, um, you know, she was way more relaxed with me and she just forgets, you know, how, you know, how hard it is being that first time mom, because certainly with Pixie, I don't think I'm doing a fraction of the Googling that I did with Roddy no. because it's the benefit of experience. And it's also, I you know, uh, this sounds awful. I'm a bit too busy to be worrying all the time. It's true. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Um, yeah. And how do you find the scheduling between the two of them? Do you know, is in, are you, I suppose, is, is Pixie, is she a good napper? Like, is, or, like uh, I, I ask because we, Peter and Alice are like opposite children. Yeah, but they're very different. Um, Just even already, I can see personality wise, they're very different. Roddy's real independent, always has been. You know, he does his own thing. He would run into crash without looking back. You know, it's like, okay, bye. Uh, Pixie is so clingy. I don't know, is it a pandemic thing? But she is... I can't leave a room or she loses her life. Roddy was never like that. Scheduling, I'm very much, as long as we're sleeping at night, they can do what they want during the day. And both of them, Pixie goes to bed at half six, Roddy goes to bed at seven and they sleep until half six the following morning. That is, as long as we're keeping that I going, I don't. I can cope with anything during the day. Now, it's nice when the naps sync up. Roddy still has one nap um, at about 12 to about one. Um it's not the end of the world if he misses it, but he's like a bear in the evening if he yeah. just hasn't had that little sleep. Um, but Pixie is, yeah, her naps would be great. They're not very long. Um, they're maybe 40 minutes, if 30 to 40 minutes. She might do one long nap, but I'm always waiting for her to wake up, so I can't really enjoy it. Yeah. But she does three naps during the day and they're kind of on her own terms. I kind of know when, like roughly, but you know, judging by you know how she's eating or whatever, when it's time, but... There is no set schedule really with Pixie. And I'm fine with that. When she's sleeping at night, I can handle anything. We're we're kind of the same. Alice was very, you know, I think that's probably been the first time mum too. I was very by the book. Um, mm. And she's a great sleeper. Always has been. She'd sleep through anything. Peter then is very different. A bit like Pixie. 
you kind of listen for his cues and mm. a very light sleeper and again 40 minutes like you might yeah. be lucky in a day that if we're traveling if i decide to if it's a day that we're going out doing a family day he actually sleeps better in the car and for longer so that works for us really well but yeah yeah he's totally different and it's very funny i i look back at my time with alice and i laugh because i was very adamant that she was never in the bed like we had a co-sleeper but i'd never out of nervousness of, of me like rolling on her thinking that would mm. happen too i was like no no she's never going into the bed peter has never left the bed <laughs> like he's now 10 almost 11 months and he's a big boy and there he is mm. like about half 11 12 o'clock every night he's like hello can i hop in here like go on oh do you want anything for sleep and again anything. whatever suits you if that gets you sleep then that's what you do like you know again other people oh well i wouldn't do that well don't you do that then yeah you know, honestly it just it just i i really think i'm coming to the end of my tether with tiptoeing around parents who do things differently you know if, if co-sleeping works for you and you know it's very safe if you do it safely then that's what you do if that means you can get some shut eye you enjoy that <laughs> that's exactly sweet, however you can get it yeah and that's the way like it, it's it's funny because that's just the way it has to be for her yeah. for peter i think like you said to pixie i think he's is clingy he's seen he mm. like it's more of the reassurance i think he might wake up and kind of go oh, where is everybody um yeah and then once you literally and pick I get him up that totally like the smallest people in the house you know i totally understand if they're waking up going where is everyone um you know luckily with pixie she likes her sleep too much um you know she loves falling asleep in my arms at night before we go before she goes down but if i leave it too long she gets a bit annoyed she wants to be in her own cot which is great for me because it wasn't like that for an awful long time so um i put her down and and then i really don't see her until the following morning which is honestly like i said as long as i can get some sleep at night i can handle anything during the day (laughs) yeah no really it's yeah the sleep is crucial yeah and paula between pixie and roddy you had and you very openly shared which thank you for doing Mm. so at the time you had an ectopic pregnancy Mm. and how old was roddy so how how long postpartum would you have been when that happened so we found out we were expecting um on roddy's first birthday so yeah it was it was actually i've never shared that before but it was roddy's first birthday i took the pregnancy test and it was a really light you know we had decided earlier on that month and he was born on the 26th of october and it was a really faint line and my husband was like ah that's not really a line i said it's a line a line's a line you can't get a false uh, positive so i said i bet you it'll be darker tomorrow and sure enough it was so it was on roddy's first birthday and we were you know it was a really everyone was coming over for his first birthday a kind of family that day and I had a cake made and it was just it was extra special we were really excited and um, obviously didn't tell anyone like and also even though he was only one and he hadn't a clue what was going on it was his day so um yeah he was one and then um a month later uh just over a month later we had gone for an early scan I was actually nine weeks gone um eight plus six on that day and I went back to the same consultant that I had gone with for Roddy and so obviously all through november i was just so sick like i get really bad morning sickness but I, you know you take that as a positive you know yeah. it's, things are happening things are growing and honestly nothing prepared me i was so shocked because you know maybe it was i don't know maybe i'm just very positive maybe i'm a bit naive maybe it was i don't know arrogance i don't know but nothing nothing made me think there would be anything wrong it didn't even cross my mind i was just so shocked that day it was it was a complete, it was, 
I was blindsided. You know, we were so excited. We actually <laughs> foolishly brought Roddy with us for our scan because we thought, wouldn't that be nice? The three of us there seeing the new baby. And Roddy was in awful form. So it was from the get go, it was just awful. He was just, he had a bit of, um, even this, he had a bit of a cold from crash. And I brought him into a maternity hospital. Like, what was I thinking? You know, I wouldn't dream of doing that now after a pandemic. You know, I wouldn't do it anyway because I realised, you know, toddlers and hospitals don't mix. But also, there was no need for him to be there. We could have got a babysitter. We didn't really want to tell anyone we were expecting at yes, that point. Yes, I know. We could have. And second of all, he had a head cold. And there I was bringing him in. Like, what was I thinking? But anyway, that's what we did. And it should, like, the news, I knew, I knew. Because the last time and any other scan I'd had, you know, straight away, as soon as you put... The, the wandy thing on your tummy you hear the heartbeat or yeah. you, you go oh there it is and there was a lot of humming and hawing and looking and I went this what is going on you know it was just the silence and you go what is it what is it like I remember thinking oh my god did I want a baby so much have I made this up am I like am I mental <laughs> you know I really I really started to think that and obviously they can't tell you anything until they actually know so she she my consultant was like do, can we do an internal and I said of course yeah and then she started explaining what was going on. And I was actually the one who went, so it's ectopic. I knew. She said, okay, so the lining is here. So you can see all the lining of the uterus. And um, over here, finally, we found you know, the, the, the fetus. And the heart was beating away. Like it was, it was extraordinary. You could see it and everything. It was just, I was like, okay, so how do we get it into yeah, the uterus? Yeah, like, I know. You know, and she, she was really gentle, but really firm. Like this wasn't going to happen. So it was just a, re- it was so shocking. It was honestly, I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, but it's there. Like the heart is beating. And, you know, she, I, I remember she was saying, look, like the only way around this is surgery. And I said, right, I better go home and get some stuff. And she said, honestly, you can't leave the hospital. Like she couldn't believe when she was kind of poking and prodding around She's like, is this painful? Is this painful? I was like, no, no. She said it was the most extraordinary case. There was no pain. There was no bleeding. It was just grown away with, and I had no idea. And really and truly, it wasn't me being brave. There was no pain whatsoever. Um, and so Aiden had to go home with Roddy and, and get my stuff and bring it back in. And I remember just, again, I was just, the, the word I can think of, and I didn't know it at the time, I was completely in shock. Like completely in yeah. shock. It just, it was, it was, and I am very much, every woman can make her own choice but I kept saying like is this would this the eighth amendment have affected this because like that this baby has a heartbeat this is my baby Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure and she said look this is absolutely unsurvivable for your baby and to be honest this is really dangerous for you this surgery is really really important and that's what I needed to hear and I was like okay and then because you have to sign a waiver you know whatever the form is because I really did hesitate uh, because I remember thinking can we just see yeah Maybe. will it move like, whatever or... yeah and, and let let whatever happens and she said you read honestly it's going to rupture and it's going to cause potentially so much more damage than and I went okay fair enough you know and that's what I needed to hear yeah the kind of the hard facts of it so you had a surgery and that leads to you then you lost your left fallopian tube yeah, so she was saying, look, we'll assess when I go in what, you know, the damage is. But at nine weeks, like the fetus is quite, you know, and I say fetus, it sounds so cold. But when I say baby, I feel like I'm you know, being dramatic. And yet it was, you know. It is your baby. Was, obviously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, um, but the, it, there was too much damage done to the tube. So that was taken too. And 
she explained to me it's funny how you don't even know how your own body works sometimes well I certainly didn't like I thought you know by the science I wasn't very good at science by the way in school um and you know when you think about the female reproductive system you see the fallopian tubes and um you know there they are it's like you know your arms extended you know either way you know and I thought that's the way they were and my consultant said no no they move around so she said just because you ovulate from your left side doesn't necessarily mean that every month it's your left fallopian tube that carries the egg and I said what she said yeah your your right one would float on over sometimes and take it I was blown away by this and she said what should happen from now on is when you ovulate um your right fallopian tube would just do the work of both (laughs) it's like what like that to me is still extraordinary like our bodies are amazing and and that's exactly what happened you know I said to her like how long should I wait yeah she said now again I have to be really careful with this because I know some women who have had ectopic pregnancies and um they're on medication and medication that would mean it would be very dangerous to get pregnant again so this is just for my own this is my experience experience, what I was told so I'm not recommending it's not up to me to to tell people how to you know when people ask me and how long should you wait that's not my decision um but my consultant told me for for my situation it was whenever I felt ready there was no medical reason to wait she said maybe you'd want to wait until one cycle has passed and then try and that's exactly what I did and I to be honest you know I wouldn't have been ready a few weeks later I was just kind of all over the place a bit um also I was still showing up as pregnant until I got my next period it was really off-putting I remember just going you know it's the only time in my life I you know I never I didn't want to see a positive pregnancy test I mean you know the hormones yeah, were still there still and it was really yeah it was really hard like so and that disappeared immediately as soon as I got um uh, my next period and then after that you know we had kind of you know this was kind of the beginning of January end of December beginning of January and I had you know spent a month kind of thinking about it and I had made peace with it I really had I was going you know it was sad I hated how what, you know how it had turned out but that's life and you know on we go and two weeks later I was pregnant <laughs> so you know again just I couldn't believe it I just felt so lucky and I spent that whole pregnancy with Pixie so happy it was honestly one of the happiest times of my life. Again, during a pandemic, you know, I don't want to be insensitive to people who had had a terrible time, but we had just a fabulous year. We were so happy. And were you any more nervous? Were you kind of like for the, even the first 12 weeks, were you were you on edge? Again, again like I know it, it probably would make sense to say yes, but really I wasn't. We went in at six weeks to, for an early scan just to make sure because mm-hmm. when you've had one ectopic unfortunately um the chance of having a second are quite high or, or higher than if you'd never had one for, um i think it's one in ten or something which is you know to me that's like oh god that's quite high um but we went in at six weeks and confirmed it was in utero and then after that i can honestly say i did relax i, I didn't want to be worried about every twinge and every exactly. ache and i just sort of you know and i wanted to enjoy it and yeah. and i'm not saying i was right i like i wouldn't have been able you can't control your feelings if i had been nervous that's the way it would have been if i had been you know if i hadn't been able to enjoy it that's the way it would have been but i did i i was fine i really was it was again i think it was because i'd made my peace with it before kind of moving on yeah you know I had kind of dealt with it I knew you know I'd kind of it it was what it was and it was rubbish and it was horrible but we got over it and we moved on and even if I hadn't been even to this day if I still hadn't had pixie if I was still trying I wouldn't be looking back you know not being able to get over it I had to get over that before I moved on and I did that so it was just you know it was just a lovely complete surprising bonus I just couldn't believe how lucky we were to get pregnant so soon and I wanted to enjoy it so I did 
And how good is that right fallopian tube? I know. Carrying all that work. I know, yeah. Twice the amount of work. She's amazing. (laughs) So you have to find, there must be, um, you'll have to create like a fallopian um, appreciation day. (laughs) Give it a... We really don't, we we don't, uh, we really don't give enough credit to all these bits of our bodies that just manage to create babies. It's absolutely crazy. It is insane. And like, we are goddesses, like honest to God, when I think of everything that our bodies do to conceive, to grow a baby, to birth a baby, to then feed a baby, like, honestly, I just, we are amazing. You really are. (laughs) A part of you, I suppose you're an avid swimmer like I love going onto your stories and watching you going for your swim and your dance and you share it in a way that you're you were certainly trying to help other people to kind of overcome the fear of you know oh my god someone might see me in my um in my bathing suit or is everyone watching me because I think everyone to an extent has that oh my god you know that moment of oh don't look at me um and you're just you just kind of you give people the confidence to just lads nobody's looking which is so true because do we look at anyone else from when we're like panicking about no. yourself going into the water you don't I, I, no you don't and if you want to go and and feel better about yourself go to the beach because everybody there is in all shapes and sizes and they're only worrying about themselves really and truly and you know I don't think I give the confidence to anyone to do anything I think that kind of comes from yourself and I think the more people who take off their clothes and get in the sea the less it would be an issue now I say that now because it's easy for me because I genuinely don't care if people are looking at my thighs or my tummy or my cellulite or my stretch marks I don't care (laughs) I have two beautiful children and to be honest even before I had them I had a tummy and stretch marks and cellulite and all that stuff that in my 20s I would have died at so this probably wouldn't have worked for me on me in my 20s this kind of talk as I I just wouldn't have had the confidence but I can really honestly truly say I don't care I am magical my babies are magical I life is so precious life is so short I love swimming I'm so happy I enjoy eating you know I I just life is so short to care about that stupid stuff that I spent my teens and my 20s obsessing over and I wish I could get that time back and tell myself to cop on but I couldn't and that was the environment I was in that was the way I grew up and I'm not you know saying my family were awful but you know they they, they were as obsessed by weight yeah. as every magazine made and it. every and yeah totally yeah. and it made me completely obsessed and I have five sisters and they're all you know a completely different body shape to me they're all I'm probably the short I'm, I am the shortest I'm definitely the biggest so growing up like that um I felt like everybody was obsessed with my weight <laughs> and they probably were to an extent I mean they had other stuff to talk about but when I look back I wish I had the, the, the confidence to say my body isn't up for discussion and you know but you know I never did and I remember just being miserable and again I propelled that I contributed to it I read all those stupid magazines I, I talked about my weight 24 7 what a waste of time what a sad sad waste of time like for me with with my two now it's our life is very much already like I've outdoors we love being outside you know whether it's down the beach running around or going to the playground or just we love being outside um and it's all about health and we love making food and talking about good foods and 
there's no bad foods all foods is good but you know healthy nutritious foods and that's the kind of environment i want to live in and i'm not saying i'm perfect they get treats of course well not pixie but but of course he gets treats he's two and a half you know you know he yeah. loves an ice cream and he loves you know he cake uh, obviously that's my thing when I, when pixie was um very small and i was breastfeeding i had gestational diabetes at the end of my, uh, I, which i discovered at 28 weeks with her so when she was born, I was like, get me cake, get me all of the cake. I want all of the cake today. So um, I used to come, Aiden used to come home from the shop and Roddy would go cake. And that's when I thought, right, we need to curb the cake because he thinks that every time we walk in the door, there's going to be a bun. Um, but, you know, it's all about balance. And but for this house is never, I'm never, ever, ever in front of my children going to go, oh my God, I look really big in this. Or, I know. Does my, does my arse look fat in this, Aiden? Like, I'm never, ever going to talk like that around them. Because no. I would hate for them to think that it's normal or that it's it's something that they need to waste their time on. Because it's a waste of time. It really is. And it's, it's even, I find myself, I suppose Alice is a bit conscious that she's a girl. Not that it makes any difference between a boy and a girl mm. when it comes to kind of loving your own body. But it's... You know that, you know, I suppose as a teenage girl, you probably stood in front of a mirror kind of almost like preening yourself, but also kind of fixing your, like, oh, fixing your jeans and your top and mm. that kind of scrutiny. And I can't, very conscious that Alice would never pick that up of, of me kind of even frowning at my body. That And I suppose I since having them too, I've let go of all of that, of all of that. Oh, my body is not perfect. Uh, I forgo a perfect body. I have two beautifully perfect kids. And, yeah. you know, like, it is what it is. This is, I'm now a mom and my, 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 you know, yes, I want to be healthy, like you said, and, and have a balanced diet and for them to have a good diet. And we're very open to treats, you know, if you eat, yeah. you have your, your meals and everything and there you've got your veg and stuff. Yeah, have a treat. We're not going to say no to that because I think once you start putting treats as well, like as this, like not necessarily reward, but once like they become special, I think I you think- can get fixated on them. Yeah. Um, so I think what the way we've kind of looked at it is, is look, they're in the press. And if you, if, there, if someone looks for a treat, like you can have it something and, and, you know, as long as it, but in the week, everything is balanced and stuff, we're not going to like yeah, that. I, I think, don't want, I don't want this, this connotation that something nice is special or that it's like, it's a reward or I, I'm trying to break that away. That food is kind of like a level playing field in the, in the food kind of categories same and and sometimes when you know roddy loves going to the beach so i use that as a okay well if you do that we can go to the beach <laughs> you know to try and because i don't want things i don't i really because i'm probably going to go to the other extreme but i really don't want food to be any an issue in this house you know treats or any kind of thing like that because i do think once you make an issue of it it becomes an issue yeah. it becomes something that they they kind of use and it can food can be used to weaponize as well like mm-hmm. it really can like you know when you say oh i, can't, I better not eat that i'm never going to say use those words I, can, I might think of myself because we have to be mindful like you can't you know go the opposite way either and just throw all caution to the wind and just exactly you know, we have to be mindful of our overall health but you know good food and treats it's all part of being mindful and and enjoying life and i'm very much all about that really and truly and it really i'm so determined for it not to be a factor in this house i really am you know it's 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 something that i wasted too much of my life worrying about and i i again in my 20s like I would for, like, even now like you just said you know you've let go of, of worrying about stuff like that like in my 20s I always had my nails done you know I always had my hair done and I was obviously didn't have children and now 
you know, everything's open back up and everybody's kind of running to the nail salons and the hair salons. And I'm going, well, you know, sea swimming and wetsuits and nails isn't going to work because <laughs> I've gotten so into it now. Like I've no interest and my, my fingers are awful. Like I love having nails, but I'm in no rush back because I'm not going anywhere. Like, first of all, I am trapped because I'm breastfeeding and I can't go out for a night out or like a proper night. When I say a night out, I'm, I'm looking forward to what I call the big night out. Yes. You know, the... The, the nails, the hair, the dress, the babysitter, the, the babysitter who will get up with the kids the next morning. I mean, big. And it's ages before I'll actually be able to do that. So I'm in no rush to, you know, I'm, I haven't worn makeup. I wear makeup very rarely. Nails aren't done. I cut my hair too short in December, so I don't need to get my hair cut. It's just, you know, and I don't care. Me, 10 years ago, would die. Be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you've totally let yourself go. But actually, I haven't. It's actually the absolute opposite. I've never, ever cared about myself more. Like, I am I've, I've, on top of my smear tests. You know, I got my skin checked last week. You know, I'm sea swim miles every week. You know, I'm getting better sleep than ever. I'm not drinking as much. I have never taken better care of myself. I've never felt better. And it doesn't mean, you know, I might not be wearing makeup or doing my nails every week, but, you know, it's funny. The balance is totally changed. And you can probably say that you're, would you say that you are the happiest you've ever been? Oh, for sure. Honestly, like, I love where I live, first of all. We live by the sea, and even before the kids came along, I had to pinch myself. I, I, I live in Rush in North County, Dublin, and it is just fabulous i love living here as soon as i moved here i felt i know this sounds really twee felt at home i do i feel like i've immersed myself into the community i really love my neighbors um you know i'm in a sea swimming group and everybody's lovely and it's just i love it here and then having our two children as well it just you know it's everything i've ever wanted really and truly obviously if i won the lotto that'd be nice (laughs) not to worry about a mortgage but you know as far as things go i i I know how lucky I am. You know, the the only thing that I ever really aspired to in life, which sounds awful because I have my own career goals, but the one thing that you can't money can't buy and you can't, you know, train in college for or you do work experience for is is meeting someone who you love enough to settle down and have a family with. Mm-hmm. And I met a lovely man and that's what we've done and money can't buy that and you know, there's nothing in the world that I want more than that and the only thing that really really and truly matters with my whole heart is their happiness and their health everything else don't care honestly and i have like i said like i do have my own goals and i do care but not in even i can't not even a fraction of how much i care about their health and happiness you know i do i do like and i'm nodding away i'm like yeah it's it's yeah it makes me sound like i don't care about other things and of course i do but you know the sheer volume of love and and I suppose it, it, it's, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes when I think, you know, you know yourself after you've had a baby and you're quite vulnerable and, you know, you kind of, I don't know, is it just me, but intrusive thoughts kind of oh, start yeah. creeping in, you know, those night feeds, you go, God, if something ever happened to this, this tiny person or something ever happened to my husband or my, or my toddler and, you know, the, the fear, yeah. the actual terror of, of something, you know, that family unit in some way being damaged or broken, like used to, I, th- I put it down to hormones, but used to, you know, I'd be frozen with terror. 
And but it, I think it just shows the magnitude of how important it is to me. And every parent, most most parents feel like that. You know, you can't even go there. It's just too overwhelming to even think about if something happened. Paula, because that is literally the only thing that matters. I watched Reeling in the Years last night. I have never in my life cried at Reeling in the Years. It wasn't a particularly <laughs> dark one. Now, there was some some very disturbing footage and there were some tragedies I cried the whole way through because I sat there as a mother empathizing with other mothers going this this is a nightmare this is like what this there was a war and then it was the the balcony tragedy in California at the J1 Irish students I was in bits I was broken I sat there bawling I say to my husband, how are we ever going to let him go and do anything? Me too. I just don't know, I don't know how I'll ever be in a position where I'll be able to. Even my husband recently picked up our, our son. He goes to crash three mornings a week. And um, he's just, <laughs> he loves it so much. Like like I said, he's the exact opposite of his, his younger sister. But he runs in every day and he comes out every day saying, I go back to school tomorrow. He's just so happy there. So Aiden was standing there and, and Roddy came running out. I go back to school tomorrow. And behind him was um, a little girl going out to, to her parent. And, the, the you know, she was very upset. And Aiden came home and he was really upset for the little girl. And I said, but sure, like, sure, Roddy gets upset over things. But he had heard the crash worker saying, look, she didn't eat anything or drink anything all day. She just, she's not settling. And I went, all right, so it's a prolonged thing. And Aiden couldn't, couldn't shake that because he, he kept thinking of the poor parent standing there collecting their child hearing that that is yeah. so hard you know so hard. and you think about you think about your own child you never want them to be in distress ever and the thought of another parent getting you know standing there and being told that their their child was distressed you'd your heart breaks for them because like you know you'd do anything you'd do anything, anything to make them happy and you know and the thought of them being upset and the thought of those poor parents i mean the empathy that I feel now, I'm not saying I was cold hearted before I had children, but I definitely and I think it's an unfair thing to say that people who don't have children can't feel empathy. Um, Dolly Parton doesn't have children and look what she does for the world. She's like amazing. Um, but I, I do know for me, I, I just put myself in other people's shoes so much more than I ever did beforehand. And maybe that's a flaw in my character. Maybe I should have been able to do that before I had children, but I certainly do it now. And it absolutely breaks my heart when I hear of parents going through things you know that they can't help their children because I think about the parents more than I think about the babies or the children because I'm a parent and I think God loves them you know you, it yeah. just it consumes you absolutely it really does. and Paula so it's that time I don't want to do it because I we're know. having the chats I'm sorry I have to go because um my little lady is going to wake up any second and we'll know all about it <laughs> so what would you tell your pregnant self take more pictures oh my god take more pictures like I never ever in my life felt or looked better than when I went in to have both my children I had this big beautiful bump I've always been a bit pudgy so like this bump really suited me you know I could wear tight clothes and not feel self-conscious I loved it and I wish I had taken more photos because I think baby bumps are gorgeous everyone's baby bump I love them I love seeing a woman with a bump I just think it's so beautiful so take all the photos what one product could you not live without the boba wrap. Now, I wish I had discovered it when I had had Roddy. Um, I bought all these slings that were just useless. They weren't ergonomic. They didn't sit right. They didn't fit right. I wasn't comfortable. 
Um, and then I got the boba wrap when I had Pixie because I wanted to be able to go down the beach with Roddy because he was of that age where he can't just keep him inside even though you have a new baby. Oh, the boba wrap has been amazing and I still use it now. She's seven and a half months old and it's brilliant. Well worth the money. I love it. And what has been your magic moment? Oh, we've had loads. My, it, it's, you know, on Sundays, I don't know why it just, it's again, it sounds really twee, but for some reason... Sunday mornings seems to be the morning that we all kind of gather in the big bed and I remember the first Sunday we did that Pixie was brand new and Roddy had his tractors and he was like kind of running them along the headboard and I remember like just sitting up feeding Pixie and Aiden was there and Roddy was playing with his tractors and I remember just thinking this is this is it like these are the moments I'm going to look back you know on my deathbed and go that was happiest time in my life and every Sunday we tend to do that and every Sunday I sort of have this this is it moment like this is what it's all about this is the happiest I don't know if you can I know every stage is magical and even now Pixie's sitting up and she's clapping and you know and she's giving us big gorgeous gummy smiles um and it is it, it just it gets better I remember my sister telling me after I had Roddy I was going how can I ever be this happy like this is amazing and she just laughed she went it's, you know what it only gets better and she's right every stage is amazing every st- I mean don't get me wrong we're not sitting around like the Waltons like I lose my shit sometimes I'm going like absolutely crazy with two kids screaming at me and I'm like ah but there are those magic moments that are just and that's all part of it, it nobody is. is is you know nobody is perfect and you know I, I do have days where I'm, my head and my hands looking at the watch going oh my god bedtime is so far away <laughs> but those magic moments on 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 those on those days and you just think this is perfect you know and that's what it is it's perfect paula thank you so much for coming on the podcast and keeping it's my first time going on someone's podcast would you believe oh my goodness um, thank you for choosing yeah, from kind <laughs> thanks for offering like i i was offered quite a bit last year but you know what's really weird after t- that felt like therapy to be honest Pamela. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you know after after just after just uh, you know talking through all that it's funny and the reason and i was asked to do an awful lot of things last year when i was pregnant but to be honest i didn't want to talk about an ectopic pregnancy when i was pregnant i didn't want to talk about baby loss i didn't want to talk about anything that wasn't you know lovely and light and i just i didn't have the not the i just didn't want it and that was lovely you know cuz i'm at a point now where you know pixie is she's good and sturdy and gorgeous and you know i don't mind talking about it but it, timing is everything yeah. because last year definitely i just wasn't I just wasn't I just wanted to be pregnant and happy and and not sort of think about it and that was lovely thanks a million thanks for having me you're very welcome (laughs) it's funny a few people actually who've either gone through fertility or a loss have said that actually coming on is like a form of therapy um yeah it's I I don't know is it that you probably get that one-to-one time which is unusual for a mum not to have a kid with them that you can actually Mm. talk openly and comfortable and coherently because you're not distracted yeah which is um, exactly so thank you so much um thank you it's been great to chat to you thank you for listening to today's episode of for all mankind if you enjoyed it please rate review and subscribe if you would like to send me a message please email for all mankind at gmail.com or find me on instagram see you in the next episode of the podcast Gardner Family Apothecary are the official sponsors of For All Mumkind podcast.
caring for your sensitive skin with their Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel Silcox base to Elav's sensitive beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of the news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro.